Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. We're just a few days away from Thanksgiving, one of my favorite holidays of the year. It causes one to reflect, even by its very name, on the wonderful things that you happen to have in your life. And there are always many. Now, notice that I didn't say anyone has a perfect life. There are those who find themselves sad and self-loathing because they've made so many mistakes or committed so many sins or made so many bad judgments in their life that they feel like life may not be worth living. People also see problems in the world and they feel like they have nothing that causes them happiness. They see the future as one that has great difficulties in it. I spoke with several people this week, and I wanted to briefly mention the conversations I had with them. One of them is a young lady who I've had occasion to speak to a few times over the years and help her out with a few difficulties here and there. She is actually currently homeless. She's living in a car with her dog. And yet, she has a plan figured out for how she is going to have a place to live. And she's pretty hopeful. It's not that she's without anxiety or difficulty. She has less money than practically anyone else I could think of, but she's all right. She's doing okay. I've tried to help her again in a few simple little ways, move her in the right direction. Another person I ran into this week was a friend I've known for well over a decade. He's quite well off. He has accumulated a fair amount of wealth, he's almost never happy. He thinks that his life 
has not gone the way he wanted. His children have not grown up and become who he wanted them to be. And he thinks the United States is horrible and awful, founded on evil men, and that it should be redone from the ground up. He wants socialism. He wants communism. One or the other would be fine with him. And when I asked him why, he said, because so many people are suffering and the government needs to fix it all. And I tried to talk to him about good examples of the government fixing anything. And there are a few times when the government can always be the right choice. One is in a war. It's pretty tough to conduct a war on a small level. But if the government really has to be involved in a war, that's a good thing for the government to do. If you need police action to stop bad guys from committing crimes, the government's a pretty good resource to go to. Not the only one. We should uh, be able to try to help ourselves as well, but the government's good there too. Those are some of the basic constitutional principles. Beyond that, the government is set up to allow personal freedom. In Doctrine and Covenants section 101, verses 77 through 80, we read about how God has established the Constitution for the good of people. And the U.S. Constitution has been duplicated and emulated in many, many, many countries around the world, resulting in a time in the history of humanity where more people have more safety and more food than has ever been the case in the world's entire history. And yet, my friend, who's quite well off, thinks everything is just horrible and awful. In Doctrine and Covenants section 101, verse 78, we read that the Constitution was established according to moral agency, which God has given to everyone so that everyone can be accountable for their own life at the time of judgment when they look back at their life. And then in verse 79, the Doctrine and Covenants says, therefore, it's not right that any man should be in bondage one to another. And that's in large measure what socialism and communism do, make people in bondage to a government. Verse 80 of Doctrine and Covenants section 101, and for this purpose, the purpose of freedom, have I, the Lord, established the constitution of this land by the hands of wise men whom I raised up unto this very purpose and redeemed the land by the shedding of blood, close quote. Now, this is something that is quite remarkable that my second friend just could not see. Now, now to the third friend. He's the one who, in many ways, I have the most compassion for. He recently lost his son. His son died just a few weeks ago. And I have great compassion for him because, as many of you know who listen or have listened for several years, 
I had a 22-year-old daughter who died a few years back, and there isn't a day that goes by that I don't cry because I miss her so much. And as this conversation progressed with my friend who had lost his son, he said something very profound. He said, I've realized that the reason I'm so sad right now is because I love my son so much and I miss him. If I didn't love him so much, it wouldn't be so hard. And he's right. And then I told him a short story that I often use as an analogy in my own life when I have thought that things have been so very, very hard. There were two men who were pushed off the tallest building in the world. And if you don't know which building that is, that is the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, which is 2,717 feet tall. That is over half a mile in height. It is almost six times taller than the Great Pyramid and almost twice as tall as the Empire State Building. It's very, very tall. And as these two men were pushed off the building and began falling to the ground, they thought about things very, very quickly, but in very, very different ways. Back to the story in just a minute or two. Jesus told people in his Sermon on the Mount, quote, you've heard people say, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for anyone who mistreats you. Then you will be acting like your father in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both good and bad people. He sends rain for the ones who do right and for the ones who do wrong. If you love only the people who love you and are good to you, will God reward you for that? Even tax collectors love their friends. If you greet only your friends, what's so great about that? Don't even unbelievers do that? So be perfect just like your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the contemporary English version of Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. When we come back, more about Jesus' teachings on how to be happy. Stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. We're back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. This is the show just before Thanksgiving, and the topic is how to be happy, how to have Thanksgiving in your heart, even when difficult things happen to you. To be as perfect as we possibly can is what some people strive for, but then they realize that that is so very difficult and virtually impossible to be absolutely, completely, and totally perfect. But 
I love this quote from Brigham Young on that subject. It might give some of you comfort who think you can never attain perfection. This is from Journal of Discourses, Volume 2, starting on page 129. Brigham Young said, quote, To be as perfect as we possibly can according to our knowledge is to be just as perfect as our Father in Heaven is. He can't be any more perfect than he knows how, any more than we can. When we are doing as well as we know how, in the sphere and station which we occupy here, we are justified in the justice, righteousness, mercy, and judgment that go before the Lord of heaven and earth. We are just as justified as the angels who are before the throne of God. Close quote. I quite like that because it gives you an idea that we can't be expected to be totally and completely perfect. We can only be as perfect as we know how or as the knowledge that we have will allow us. I would also like to focus on the greatest good. Jesus told many people that the greatest good, the greatest commandment is to love God and love your fellow man. One of the New Testament scriptures that I love most about this subject of love is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 13. I'm going to kind of paraphrase it a bit because many people find it hard to understand in the King James English. Here's what I believe the meaning in essence is of 1 Corinthians 13 that Paul wrote. If you have love, you will be patient with others. If you love others, you will be kind to them and forgive them when they hurt you. People with love are not envious and they don't boast. People with love in their hearts are humble. Loving people are kind to others. People who act out of love Never insist on their own rights. They think of others. If you've lost something, have love in your heart. If you have love in your heart, you won't explode into anger or be sorrowful for something you've lost or dwell on how you've been wronged. Those with love find no pleasure in evil. Those with love trust God and others when they can. If you have love, you will dig into things until you find the truth. Then you will rejoice in it. If you have love, you can endure anything. If you have love in your heart, you will never give up hope. And you will be able to endure all difficulties and sorrows that come your way. Why? Because love will never fail you. Love is the greatest good. Love is the greatest quality of God and what he asks us to nurture and develop over all other traits. Prophecies may fail. Knowledge may be lost or forgotten. Great words may also be forgotten, but love of God, 
will never fail, it's never lost, and it will never be forgotten. In this imperfect life, we only know part of what's true, and we can't even convey all of what we know to be true to others. But after this life, we will have complete knowledge. When we were children, we thought and spake as children do, but as adults, we must not act childless, childishly, but as God would have us act. Life is like looking into a distorted mirror or a tinted window. We can never see things completely clearly, not in this life. But when we stand before God, everything will be clear. Faith, hope, and love are important and will always endure. But the greatest of these isn't faith. The greatest of these isn't hope. The greatest quality of all is love, and it will endure forever. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 13. We choose in great measure to be happy or not. We choose in great measure how we feel just as much as we choose how we act. My wealthy friend is mostly miserable, despite all that he has. I have, as I mentioned, a homeless friend who is quite happy. I have another friend who's been in a wheelchair, broke his back 35 years ago, and he's happy most of the time. There are happy people and sad people. All are fighting a hard battle, but all can be happy if they choose to be, and that includes you. Now back to the story that I started with about the two people who were pushed off the tallest building in the world. As one fell to the ground to his death, he was frightened and sad and horrified at all that had been lost at the inevitable death that was in front of him and about how he was never going to be able to do any of those things that he had hoped for. The other person who was pushed off thought, I can't change the outcome. And he started to look around and he thought, this is incredible. I've never seen anything like this. This must be a little bit like the way that it feels for birds to fly. I've never understood this. What is the most important thing to me? And he said a quick little prayer in his heart for his family and those that he loved. Ultimately, both of those who went off the building had the same fate, just like all of us do. None of us gets out of this life without death. Death is the end. And yet, It's what happens between birth and the inevitable end, which is not quite so certain for us in the timing as it is for those who were pushed off the building. But the result is the same, and it's what you do in between the beginning of your life and the end of your life that's important. And you can choose to be sorry and sad and horrified and angry 
like the one man who was pushed off the building, or you can find the good even in the most difficult of situations in your life. It's that focusing in on good that makes us like God wants us to be. Love makes us happy. In Doctrine and Covenants 59, 15, and 16, we read this, quote, And inasmuch as ye do these things with these things, meaning all of life, with thanksgiving and with cheerful hearts and countenances, not with too much laughter, for this is a sin, but with a glad heart and a cheerful countenance. Verily I say that inasmuch as ye do this, the fullness of the earth is yours. Choose to be happy. Find the good in every good and bad thing that happens in your life, and you will come closer to the character of God than by doing probably any other thing that you might have as a goal. Happy Thanksgiving. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.